Good morning. It's good to be here this morning and see each and every one of you as always. You know, we've been, my uh, lessons are going through 1 Kings, chapter 3 already. Been finding some pretty interesting things in the book of Kings itself, and I hope that each and every one of you all have too. But in order for a lesson this morning, going on chapter 3, I'm going to bust chapter 3 up into, well, so far, there's two different lessons. There's a possibility as I get studying and read more, there might be more, but right now it's just two. These are on the first three verses of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, the verse 3 verses tell us, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end of building his own house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places, because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statue of David's father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incest in high places. Now, this is King James Version. Standard Version, I would say, except for exceptions and all. And that's where we're going, to, we're going to study on this morning. Because we live in a time where everything seems to have some kind of exception. Now think about how many products you've seen advertised on TV. Seems like every one of them has some kind of exclusions or exception. Especially the drug commercials. <clears throat> you see a drug commercial come on, first off, can't pronounce the name of them. And it says talk to your doctor about it. But if you notice after they get doing advertising and everything what it's for, they'll spend more time naming out the numerous side effects to such a degree that the exceptions really make you not even want to try that drug at all. Because some of those side effects is worse than what the drug is supposed to be helping us with. And how many commercials have you seen that has a lawyer at the end of the ad quietly and quickly saying some exclusions may apply? <clears throat> or reading off a long list of exclusions. And perhaps, or to me, one of the worst exclusions that we find on a box, and I'm sure all of us parents are aware of it, is the advertisement is saying, some assembly required. <clears throat> when it says some assembly required, you can rest assured that you're going to be spending some time, probably longer putting that thing together than the kids are going to play with it. But another thing, though, is after we get looking at it, is our life in general. Our life seems to be full of exceptions and loopholes if we look for them. Because this is a dangerous idea when it comes to our spiritual walk with God. And then we're going to see that this is, is the problem exemplified in King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, especially as I just read these first three verses. First off, we're going to see a sinful alliance in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 here in verse 1. In verse 1, we see examine, uh, excuse me, said, when we examined the life of David, we saw a general a positive betrayal of David, as recorded in 1 and 2 Samuel. However, when we get in, got into 1 Kings 1, we're going to see him where, where David is starting to, as we say, getting old. He's starting to get weak, you know. But however, what I want you to think about is remember that there were hints of problems to come. 
After a positive declaration about David, we would read about David taking more wives to himself in 1 Samuel uh, 25, verse 42 and 44. 1 Samuel 25, 42 and 44. Also, 2 Samuel 5 and 13. 2 Samuel 5, 13. And 2 Samuel 11, 26, 27. 2 Samuel 11, 26, 27. It talks about David taking on numerous wives. Now, we would have these shadows are deflecting our future uh, failures and everything. I apologize, I got the wrong glasses on this morning, so it kind of blurs everything. But anyway, we would have these shadows deflecting our future failures, which is ultimately seen with the sin of Bathsheba. Now, the same thing is happening now for Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. We know from our study last Lord's Day, the second chapter of 1 Kings, Seemed to be pretty positive for Solomon. We noticed how uh, chapter 2 ended. In this chapter 2, verse uh, 46, it says, So the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. It's telling us the kingdom was established. He established it. So everything is going to end up pretty positive. Now we saw the kingdom of God being put first as justice come with the arrival of this kingdom. So it looks like all's going well. Solomon is following David's instruction to bring justice to those who acted wickedly and show loyalty and faithfulness to those who were loyal to the kingdom. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 and 9. But David also instructed Solomon to walk in the ways of the Lord, keeping his statutes, his commandments, rules, and testimonies as written in the law of Moses. We've seen that in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. And that's where we kind of fall short ourselves. We can easily say we love the Lord. We love God. But then it goes on to say that we have to keep His statutes. We have to keep His commandments, His rules, His testimony. But yet we see here uh, chapter 3 is going to record some warnings about the problems to come in the reign of Solomon. We see in verse 1 we read that Solomon made an alliance with the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He even married Pharaoh's daughter as part of the marriage alliance. One of the big warnings that the Lord gave was about keeping the people from returning to Egypt. God said what the future kings were to do. He also said what they were not to do. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16. Deuteronomy 17 and 16. God said, Only he must not acquire many horses for himself. Or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. Deuteronomy 17 and 16. And in essence, Israel was basically not to have anything to do with Egypt. We know from our studying and Bible studies and all that Egypt has not been a positive in Israel's history. But instead, they've been an enemy who had actually enslaved God's people. Egypt was the oppressor, and God had rescued them away from uh, Egypt. Not only this, but Solomon is already married. Now, we're not told that yet, but it's going to be revealed later on in 1 Kings 14 and 21. Solomon is following in his father's footsteps by multiplying <laughs> wives for himself. This was a violation of Deuteronomy. 
17 and 17, where God specifically instructed that the king not acquire many wives to himself, lest his heart be turned away. Now another problem with what Solomon has done is he has made an alliance with another nation. God always wanted his people to trust in him alone for their protection and their safety. Same thing today. He wants us to trust in him for our protection and our safety. Now listen to uh, Ezekiel's condemnation for Israel's dependence on Egypt. In Ezekiel 29 and 16, Ezekiel 29 and 16, he said it will never again be Israel's source of confidence, but a reminder of how they sinned by returning to Egypt for help. Then they would know that I am the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel 29 and 16. And then we go a little further down in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 2. It's going to talk to us about, tell us a story about a sinful worship. As in verse 2 continues to speak of problems during the reign of Solomon. The people are sacrificing on the high places because the temple of the Lord has not been built. Now the high places are always depicted as a negative, And they represent all the adulterous worship that plagued the people of Israel throughout their history. This was also specifically condemned by the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy. Now over in the book, back in Deuteronomy 12, verses 2 through 6. Deuteronomy 12, verses 2 through 6. He said, You will surely destroy all the places where the nation whom you shall dispose serve their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in, in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God that way. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes and contributions that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. Deuteronomy 12, verses 2 through 6. Here we see that God said that the people of Israel were not to go to the high places to worship. The people were to go to the places that the Lord would choose. The location in God's name would be the place to bring their offering and their sacrifices. But that's not what's happening right now as we wait for Solomon to build the temple of the Lord. They're not going to the tabernacle in Jerusalem. You know, it's easy to step back and say, how could they possibly do that? I used to say it myself. How in the world could God lead these children to Israelites like he does. I mean, they, they say they're hungry, he feeds them. They say that they need this, he gives it to them. We need protection, we're scared. He gives them that protection. They see everything. And then the first time something don't go the way they want it to, they want to turn their back and go the other way. Or the first time they see something that looks a little bit better over there, they want to leave him and go over and enjoy it, thinking they can go enjoy it for a little while and come back. And then I finally wised it up after I got studying God's Word. 
That's basically the same thing we do today. He's the same God doing the same thing for us in a different way than he did for the Israelites. But yet, we see something that's a little, little enticing and we'll separate and go our ways thinking we can easily come back. Things not going our way. First thing uh, people, a lot of people want to say is, how could God let that happen? We want to blame God instead of putting our trust in God. If things not going the way that we, we think they should go, we need to pray and ask God to give us wisdom to understand His way. But yet, continue on because God is in charge. Now, chapter, first King chapter 3, verse 3, we're going to see that sinful exception I was talking about. Because notice that verse 3, that Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David, except he offered sacrifices and burnt incenses on the high places. Now we see that it's not just the people who are failing in their worship to the Lord. Solomon is also participating in the false worship here. He's offering sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. But what I want to zero in on, our attention on, is one word that is stated in verse 3. It's the word except. Now some translations read only. Solomon loved the Lord except. Solomon walked according to the instruction given by David except. This becomes a huge problem for Israel, for the future kings of Israel. And if we study the book of Kings, we're going to see that it is a theme in the book of Kings. The kings will follow the Lord, except they did, they did not do something that God wanted them to do. Many kings would do good, except for something that they would choose to neglect. Solomon is basically the first, is, is the first one who starts this pattern in the book. Solomon loved the Lord and followed David's instructions except worshiping in high places. What about our lives today? We go to church on Sunday. We get Bible study on Wednesday nights. We read God's word. We talk about God. Do we have some kind of except? Except I like to do this or except I like to talk about this or except I like to think about this. That little accept still in there. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit while we got some of the time remaining is this is a wonderful story of Solomon. Every time we study something in the Bible, we need to think about it. When we get through studying for that, that time we set aside, we need to stop and end it with, now how does that apply to my life? <coughs> what lesson can I learn from that? I want us to think about our lives and the description that the Lord will give to each and every one of us. <clears throat> First off, is there an exception in our lives? We need to stop and think. What's keeping me from loving God wholeheartedly? Whatever that is, no matter how small it is, that's your exception. Do we love the Lord and follow the instructions except for something in our lives that we're right now unwilling to give up. You know, we can tell ourselves, well, as long as I keep it low-key, nobody else in the congregation is going to know about it. I'm good to go. I want to remind you, 
God knows about it. And the time that you're thinking about doing all that right there, that's your exception that's keeping us from loving God wholeheartedly. As I said, do we love the Lord and Father and starting to accept something that in our lives that we're unwilling to give up? Do we love God without exception? Or like the products that we see advertised today, <coughs> excuse me, is there some fine print that follows after saying that we love the God, uh, that we love our God? In other words, do we stand up boldly and say, I love the Lord? And then kind of whisper, but I also like doing this, this, and this to ourselves. That fine print. This is the problem with loving God without your whole heart. But keeping a divided heart. Anytime that we keep something that's against God's will in our lives, our heart's divided. A divided heart always has an exception. You know, nowhere in God's word has I found when he tells us to do something, the word except if you don't want to or except if you want to do something else. Nowhere in God's word does it say that God say, I want you to do this, this, and don't do that. He don't end it with saying, unless you want to do something separately. That exception, it might make you feel good here on earth, but it's going to cost us our eternity home. There is something that will, hold, that will be holding us back from loving God under certain circumstances. This is why the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said this when he was asked a question in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 and 30, through 38. Matthew 22, 35 and 38. We know that where it says that one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, Matthew 22, 35, 38. Now notice there, it didn't say love the Lord when you can. It didn't say anything about you the Lord at a spare tire when you need him. It said love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. This is the great and first commandment. Here's what I want us to see. If there is an exception, then we do not love the Lord with our whole heart, soul, and mind. <clears throat> what we're saying is that we love God, but not enough to stop the thing that is keeping us from serving Him without exception. God wants us to love him without exception. God wants us to follow his way and seek his kingdom without exception. God wants us to trust him and in nothing else without exception. <clears throat> the question is, are you serving the Lord without exception? You know, if we stop and look at it, God showed us many times that he loves each and every one of us without exceptions. Even when the soldiers was driving the nails across his hands, his feet. When he placed him the, the cross, the uh, crown, thorn crown on his head. 
out of my way of thinking. If I'd have had that power that he had, they wouldn't have been doing that to me. But God, Jesus loved them enough that he didn't want to bring harm on them, even though it would have kept him from suffering. He'd have rather suffered than harmed the ones that was actually harming him. That takes a lot of love. Now you may ask, why does this matter? Why does it matter that I serve the Lord without exception? Why can't I get away with just serving the Lord on Sundays and Wednesday nights and the little time I study the Bible? Why can't I keep this one thing in my heart and my life? It's, it's a small little thing. The reason why is that these exceptions will be the downfall. Because these little exceptions were the downfall of every person that we read about in the books of Kings that fell. This deception is the foreshadow of the future failure of Solomon that will lead to his ruin. The other deception we read about in the book of Kings revealed the downfall of their reign and their, their spiritual ruin. The exception in your life that we think is so small, so insignificant, will be the reason for our future spiritual failure and ruin. That to pointed all that out to you. In closing, <clears throat> Jesus said that no one can serve two masters. You can go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, see it for yourself. Jesus told parables about people who made exceptions when it came to following him. He said that they were, they were first going to examine their auction. They had bought the auction, they wanted to examine them first. <clears throat> then there was some that had brought property. They wanted to go look at it, see their fields first. There was some that was just married and were unwilling to truly follow Jesus right now. Luke chapter 14. People were saying that they needed to bury their dead before they could follow Jesus. Matthew 8, 22. Now Jesus didn't tell these people, you go ahead and do what you got to do. I'll wait on you. Take your time. Enjoy life and then come back to me. Jesus calls for people to serve him without exception. Jesus wants you to trust him. He wants all your heart because that is what is best for you in your life. So consider what is holding you back. What is your exception? What will you do to remove these excuses, these exceptions, so that you can simply have the description that he or she loved the Lord without exception. When it comes to the time of our eulogy, we want a description of the person giving it saying he or she was truly a person after God's own heart. If this morning we need to be baptized, or maybe we've already been baptized, but we got that little exception in our lives that's kept us separated from God. We need the prayers, the encouragement of the congregation to help us get that little exception out of our life, get our relationship right with God, whatever you need may be. We won't be doing that rollers call up yonder. We ask you to come forward now as we stand and sing our song of invitation.